This message comes from NPR sponsor Wix e-commerce, the professional platform that enables entrepreneurs all over the world to create and run their online store and grow their e-commerce business. If you want to sell online, make sure you stand out. Go to Wix e-commerce and create an online store that will grab shoppers' attention. Build a state-of-the-art storefront, showcase your product with striking product pages, and sell subscriptions. Go global and display prices in local currencies. Boost your sales by offering instant coupons using the live chat. Streamline your checkout process with automated shipping fees and sales tax calculation. Manage your inventory and track your sales from one convenient dashboard. Analyze your comprehensive sales and traffic reports. Check out these and more must-have e-commerce features for sellers who mean business. Go to Wix.com slash e-commerce today and join over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide with Wix e-commerce. This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DTC pod. I'm your host, Jay. And today we have a great guest with us, Lily Sun, who does growth at Three Ships Beauty, a brand that makes beauty products that are effective, natural, and affordable. Lily posts all the time on Twitter, some awesome (laughs) stuff over there. And she's always just constantly sharing not only like things about building her own personal brand, like those kinds of things, but also sharing direct-to-consumer insights. So we're really excited to have her. We're going to be talking all about growth, product launches, customer journey, everything in between. Um, So excited to dive into things over here. But before we jump in, Lily, I'll pass the mic over to you if you want to Tell us a little bit more about yourself and tell us a little bit more about what Three Ships Beauty does in your own words. Totally. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. So I'm Lily. I lead growth at Three Ships Beauty. We are a skincare brand. We like to call ourselves a better skincare brand. We are 100% natural. Everything we make is plant-derived. I think with natural or green products in general, especially in skincare and personal care, people think very indie, you know, cucumbers, avocados, homegrown, which is totally, you know, fine. But natural skincare is actually very sophisticated and there is a lot of science behind it. So for us, it's all about changing the consumer perspective of what natural means and having natural skincare products that work just as well, if not better than clinical and yeah, other types of skincare. And so I'm super excited to work at Three Ships. We're a team of seven, going to be eight women now. So it's a very small team and there's a lot going on. So I'm super excited about this conversation and always happy to share any learnings or tidbits that I have. Yeah, for sure. And you kind of alluded to the fact that there is a lot going on. I know I was looking through your LinkedIn profile to to learn a little bit more about you. And I saw you were like actually like one of the first Mm -hmm. employees at Three Ships Beauty, which is always a fun time being one of the early employees (laughs) at a startup since there's so much stuff to do. And and since there is, you know, usually a lot of stuff to do, what was kind of like your focus like early on, like especially like growth? Obviously, there's a lot of low hanging fruit, a lot of things brands can do. What did you kind of work on like at the beginning? Yeah. So for a little bit of context, when I first joined Three Ships, it was 
on a contract basis just to help Connie and Laura out. They are the co-founders. So when I joined, it was just Connie and Laura as the co-founders. And so in the beginning, I wasn't really on growth. I was kind of managing pretty much anything that needed to be done that they did not have time to do. So anything from operations, I was submitting things to Health Canada for submission. I was working on influencer, I was working on marketing. And so I think that actually did a really good foundation of understanding the business before I jumped into growth. So I think for anyone who is going to growth, having a good, strong understanding of the business is probably number one. When I first started in my growth role, like you mentioned, it was pretty much just setting everything up. All the potential channels, tests, let's just get all of them rolling at first and then let's see what's working and what's not working. So when I say everything, I do mean everything. I think we set up email, we set up SMS, we made a TikTok account, we did micro-influencers, macro-partnerships, we started doing limited edition products, we did affiliate, we did paid ads. So in the first couple of months, it was like, let's actually just get everything up and running. We can see what's doing well and what's not doing well. And now I think as we've grown a little bit, it's more so figuring out, okay, which one of these verticals is worth us investing more time and resources into? Which one of these can we put on the back burner and maybe prioritize later? So that's kind of how my role has shifted, kind of going from first setting everything up and then now more so being really strategic about what's worth putting money into. Yeah, that totally makes a lot of sense. And in terms of like setting all of those things up, how deep did you get? Obviously, like you talked about a bunch of like different Mm -hmm. channels. Was it really just kind of like setting up initial like first sequences? Like, hey, we'll post on social like once a week and cover your basic bases for checkout, like post checkout email, those kinds of things. Is that really what kind of like the focus was early on? Totally. So for things like email, it was like, okay, let's set up all the automations, welcome flows, post-purchase, abandoned cart, very simple. For things like TikTok, it was like, let's just make a TikTok account. Let's do our best to do maybe one video a week, maybe two videos a week. For things like influencer, it was like, let's just start with a budget of $5,000 a month and test out influencers. So we kind of had a little bit of time and resources allocated to each channel. And then we revisited all of these channels a couple months later. And for example, email did really well for us. And we were like, okay, it's probably worth now buffing up our automations and having things look more on brand, having more brand voice. And then things like TikTok, we never really (laughs) understood how TikTok worked. I still have yet to understand how the algorithm for TikTok likes to work for brands. And so we're like, you know what, maybe it's not worth us or I say us, I mean me. Maybe it's not worth me making a TikTok video (laughs) every week for now. Let's on on the back burner and maybe down the road we can have someone who's more of an expert come on but it was more so it took us testing these channels out to make these conclusions it was harder to say off the bat like is tiktok worth it we had to kind of work with it and see before we were able to say uh you know what maybe it's not worth our time and resources right now yeah, for sure. That that makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of like playing to your strengths, as you talked about a little bit over there as well, especially for a lot of like early stage brands that 
that we talk to, it's not just like running ads, like that isn't the only part of like growth. There's a lot of other factors that kind of go into there. And it's really like finding ways to even like delight your customers and, and those kinds of things that can really create like super fans and all that stuff. What are some of the different things you've kind of like worked on that are maybe like outside of the typical, I guess, growth playbook? And if you have any like lessons over there that you can share with the listeners as well. Yeah. Pay digital marketing is such a crazy space. I feel like you learn something and then an update rolls out and it changes. You learn that another update rolls out. It changes everything you learn doesn't make sense anymore. And so for us being a small business, I didn't want to rely on paid as our only source of growth. It's just not very reliable and it's not really in your control. I definitely think having ads and running a paid strategy makes sense. Just not having it be like 95% of your marketing budget, unless you're super competent, then totally do that. For us, I would say three things outside of digital marketing that has worked really well for us is number one, having a very intimate customer experience. I think all small brands can really benefit from investing in customer experience. So two things that we do that are probably not scalable, but has worked really well for us is one, in our welcome flow email for abandoned cart, it actually goes to Laura's inbox. So Laura is our co-founder. She's in charge of product development and R&D. So any abandoned cart goes to her inbox and she's able to personally respond and ask customers if they have any questions about products they've added to cart and if she can help answer any of those questions because she is the one who made these products. She has absolutely all of the answers. That does really, really, really well for us. I think customers don't expect the co-founder to be sending you a personal email when you abandon your cart. So we really like doing that. Something else that we do that is not scalable is our social media manager actually DMs almost every new Instagram follower that we get. She sends them a personalized DM, welcoming them to the Three Ships community. And I think it's just like small, small little delights like this that customers don't really expect. And as a small brand, if you're able to do well and have good customer experience. I think it does help a lot with growth. The second thing we do is curation and trying to be personalized with skincare. I'm sure you know we have a skin quiz on our site. So that's something that we invested time and money and resources into building out a very custom quiz that people on the site can take to try to find the right products for their skin concerns. We've tested it and the impact that it has not only on conversion, but AOV have been really well for us. And I think brands that sell products that require that level of customization and curation could really benefit from having something like a quiz. It is also super automated. So once you kind of put the time and energy into setting it up, you don't really need to do too much in terms of managing it, which is great if you have a small team and you have a bunch of other things to do. And then the last thing in terms of growth that I really enjoy doing is doing things that are worth talking about. It doesn't always convert to a purchase, but I think it's really valuable to have people talk about things. So for example, um, it was National Donut Day, I think a couple of weeks ago, and we sent out a text message, not advertising skincare, but telling our customers that Krispy Kreme was giving out free donuts that day. Did it result in people purchasing our cleanser? I'm not sure, but I got so many inbounds, tons of people tagging us on Twitter, lots of people sharing, tagging us tagging their friends. And I think in terms of growth, like obviously not doing that all the time, but doing things here and there that are just worth talking about 
could also do really well for your brand. Yeah. And I love the way that you think about it. It's really just like building out that brand awareness and getting people just interested in learning about the brand because there's like a million (laughs) direct-to-consumer brands out there nowadays. And so it can kind of be hard to to differentiate from the noise. But obviously, like when you see brands doing different things uh, from just the typical, it, it definitely stands out. Um, so that's awesome. I, I love that donut idea. It's it's totally like unique. You know, we've talked to a lot of brands on here, but I don't think anyone has talked about like using their, their SMS channel as like not directly promoting their product, which is which is awesome. And speaking about text message marketing and, and those things, I think this is like the perfect tie-in to, to talking about your text marketing plan. I was kind of looking through your feed a little bit on Twitter and I, I saw, you know, people really get excited about the text that they get from Three Ships Beauty, which is great. How did you kind of like go around like developing your plan for SMS and like, where do you even like pull ideas from like things like the donut idea and those kinds of stuff? Yeah, I feel like a constant theme we're going to see from this entire podcast is just testing and tweaking. That's honestly my entire job is just testing things. If it works, let's do better. If it doesn't work, let's cancel it. Sort of the same thing with SMS marketing. I think we had originally talked about text message last December and I wasn't completely sold at first. It wasn't like I heard about text message marketing immediately. It was like, this is it for us. I was like, you know what? This is interesting. I don't know if people want to get text messages about their cleansers, but we can try it and see how it works. So we set it up last December and most of our, even now, like most of our strategies for text message marketing is around automations. So it's really about things like welcome automations, abandoned cart automations and post-purchase. Those are definitely very key for us. And those automations do really well for us in terms of people enjoy getting them and they also enjoy engaging with them. In terms of campaigns, that's tricky because text message is not the same as email. You definitely cannot get away with sending three you know, campaign messages a week to your customers. I feel like you're probably violating some regulations there, but you have to be very strategic with what you're sending out. And we've tested a lot of different things. We've done the very basic sales, promos, exclusive launches. We've tested things like having customers vote. We launched a lip product in April. It's our buttercream lip mask. And we had people vote on what flavor they wanted. And buttercream was the highest voted flavor. We So we tested that. And then with the donut message, honestly, I think what had happened was it was near the end of the month. And I think I had 7,000 credits left. 7,000 credits was just enough for me to send like one short message to everybody And I was like, shoot, well, we don't have a sale going on. I could just send something random. And I'd suddenly seen it was National Donut Day. And someone had tagged me that Krispy Kreme was giving out free donuts. And I was like, you know what? I have 7,000 credits. If I don't use it, they're going to waste. So I'm just going to send this message out and we'll see how it works. So that's kind of how that came about. It was just like, what, what can I do with this last few credits that we have? But in terms of strategy for text message, I think it really depends on where you're drawing your customers in from. So if you're running a giveaway and you're telling people to sign up for text message marketing to enter the giveaway, those customers probably only want to get notifications on free products, discounts, sales, exclusive offers, etc. 
If you're asking your customers to vote by texting you, that segment of subscribers are probably more okay with getting brand updates, new product launches, product feedback, because they're already participating and they they actively want to give you feedback. So I would say my strategy has been trying my best to segment them based on where they're coming in from and then sending them things that make sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I was just actually about to ask you and I think you like started to, to touch on it was like, how do you like go about like segmenting your list? Because I think, you know, email marketing segmentation is a little bit like easier for people to understand. Like you've got like, you know, your abandoned carts, you've got your people who have purchased like five times and, and those kinds of things, um, especially with like how strict it is on SMS. I imagine it's probably more difficult to kind of like segment. So how do you kind of like go about like segmenting it? Like, is it event driven? Like what the customer is doing? Are you kind of like making a little bit of guesses and, and kind of like testing those guesses to see like what works? Like, how do you go about like doing some of that stuff? Yeah, I would say the first thing for me was I had to answer the question, like, will spending time segmenting our SMS subscribers lead to better outcomes? And so what I did there was I actually sent a, so we had a group of subscribers who had voted for the lip mask flavor. So my guess was like, okay, they're interested in lip products, right? Like they voted on a lip product flavor. Maybe they're interested in lip products. So I sent them a promo message about a free cherry lip exfoliator. I sent the same message to non-lip scrub people, so the more generic audience. The conversion and click-through rate for me sending this lip promo to the lip voting segment was so much higher than the generic subscribers. So that initially answered my question, like, okay, segmentation is worth the time and effort. The second thing I would say is don't segment like too detailed. For me, I think what I'm, and I haven't even done this yet, I think I'm going to do it, is I'm going to have three segments for text message. One is the group of people who only care about sales, discounts, promotions, offers, exclusive offers. So there's that group. There's another group that really cares about the brand. So they want updates from the founders. They want to vote. They want to have their input. And then I'm going to have a third segment of people who want to know about education because skincare education is a huge pillar of three ships. And a lot of people love coming to us for skincare education. I think having those three segments is going to work really, really well for us. So we can decide who to send messages to. And obviously, if there's something really big going on, you can definitely send out a mass campaign to all of them. But I think those are the three segments that's going to work really well for us. I haven't done it yet, so I might have to do it and get back to you on whether or not it is actually working out well for us. Yeah, I'll I'll be watching your Twitter account closely because I'm sure you'll probably share some stuff about that as you kind of test it out. Yeah, if I tweet something about it not working out, you'll have to come back, re-edit this podcast (laughs) and like insert an audio clip right here about like, do not do what Lily said on this podcast. It did not work for her. It's like the the TV commercials that you see that are like, do not try this at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll let you know. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see how that works out. Let's talk a little bit too about like customer journeys, because I know you're you're really big on like customer experience and and those kinds of things as well. How do you kind of like think about customer journey? And then like, obviously, you know, I'm I'm sure you're probably looking at what other brands are are doing as well. Are there things that other brands are kind of missing in the the customer journey aspect that you kind of see a lot as well? 
That's a really great question. I feel like the customer journey is similar across the board. You know, on a very high level, it's all about awareness, acquisition, and retention. That's just the three stages the customer goes through. I think what's really important for brands is figuring out what stage of the customer journey is the most important for you and then optimizing those stages specifically. Because I think what ends up happening is, you know, there's so many steps of the customer journey. And as a new brand, you obviously want to create the best experience at every stage. But with limited resources, limited people, you can't really do that. At least we we can't do that. So for us, we pinpointed two, two steps of the customer journey that's really important. Right before purchase and right after they get their order. So right before someone purchases, they're maybe on the site. They've added products to cart. They think that this product works for them. They almost want to check out, but they're just not sure yet because with skincare, it's like, will this cleanser actually make a difference? Or do I just like feel like it'll make a difference? So that's a really, really, really key important stage. The next, I guess, really important stage for us is right when the order comes to their door. Because what happens for a lot of our customers is they get their three ships products and they don't really know how to use it. They don't know if it's for morning or night. They don't know how to use it in conjunction with other skincare products they have. You know, how many drops of our oil serum do I use? How many pumps of cleanser? And so they lose out on that excitement of getting their skincare order because they're just so confused at what's going on. So we pinpointed those two as the most important steps. And we've devoted a lot of time and resources to optimizing those two experiences. So I previously mentioned how Laura replies to every abandoned cart from her email, very personalized to uh, giving people confidence and assurance in their products. You know, that's not something that is easy to do. It definitely takes a lot of time out of her calendar. And as a co-founder, she's incredibly busy. But because that stage of the customer journey is so important to us, it really makes or breaks the sale for us. I was like, I'm sorry, you have to do it. (laughs) I would do it, but you have to do it. So I'm like, I don't, maybe just one hour a day, like maybe first thing in the morning, get back to all those emails, but you have to do it for now, unless we figure out a better way. And then in terms of the post-purchase experience, we've actually utilized text message to help us with that. So customers will get a text message as soon as the order is delivered, pretty much saying, hey, like, you know, super exciting day, your order is on your doorstep. Do you have any questions about order of usage, how much to use, how to use it with your other skincare products? And so by kind of like putting the FAQs, taking initiative to like lay the FAQs out there. The customer is then able to text back and be like, yeah, like, how do I use your purified cleanser? Is it an AM cleanser and a PM cleanser? And our customer experience manager is really great at getting back to those people. And she's like, yeah, like you can use the AM and PM. So it's a really, really good experience. So also for her, I'm like, Christina, I'm sorry. If someone's replying to post-purchase, you have to reply immediately. It's just so important to us. So I think that's my two cents of the customer journey, like there is a lot of steps. I think every brand is different, figuring out what steps are most important for you and then putting time and resources there to optimize. That's worked really well for us. And then obviously as you grow, you know, spreading that out more and then optimizing different steps of the customer journey. Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trends exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more, all about DTC. 
Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D dot I-O slash podcast and look for the Slack community link to claim your invite. We hope to see you on there. Yeah, that's awesome how you've kind of made that as like part of like, I guess, your brand values or your company values in terms of like being open to to respond to people and, and kind of like foster and, and build that community, which is great there. Definitely. Yeah. I think the other thing with customer journey that I find really interesting is it's just so different, right? Like, I mean, you're on Twitter. You probably see a lot of founders talking about attribution. You know, where are people coming from? Are they coming from an ad? Are they coming from an influencer? Something that we realized recently is how unique each person's journey is. So for example, when when we have a customer come through an influencer, they're already convinced of the brand and they're already convinced of one product. You know, we had an influencer promote our detox green tea clay mask. So people coming to our site from her, they're already sold. They want to buy the green tea detox clay mask. The key for us, it's okay. How do we get them to buy some more products, right? Like they're already on the site. They have this one product added to cart. The goal for us now is like, we need to get them to buy more and not just the one product the influencer mentioned. Versus someone coming in through the skin quiz, they already have their eye on two to three products, right? They don't need to be sold any more products. They already have their eye on two two to three. The key there is, okay, they're not convinced yet, right? There's no macro influencer telling them to buy a product or how well it's worked for them. So then the key for us is we need to give them sort of some sort of proof or seal of approval from our other customers. So how can we highlight reviews? How do we get a testimonial there? So it's just super interesting. Like two people coming through two different paths. They have such different behaviors and it's kind of up to us to make sure that we're hitting the right thing for them. I say all this as we're figuring it out. So again, I'll come back, yeah. I'll have to come back to you on how this is working for us. Yeah, no, for sure, but it's it's kind of cool to to hear the different like layers and even the the process of of going back, I mean, I know you've referred like a couple of times in this podcast, like the certain like dates when you started doing things and kind of, I guess like we talk, we're talking about customer journey over here. You're kind of mapping yeah. out your, your the company's <laughs> journey over here as well, which is really cool. So one other thing I wanted to, to jump into and, and dive into as well is let's talk a little bit about product launches. Because I think in terms of guests that we've had, I think you're one of the more involved on product launches. And I just kind of love to like peel back a few of those layers. Can you kind of share like what you've learned from launching products at, at Three Ship Beauty, like all the way from campaign ideation to like creative branding to execution as well? Yeah. So we are in a really cool position where we have a lot of products in the backlog and our goal is to launch a new product every quarter. So there's a lot of product launches going on all the time, which is really exciting. And, you know, my title is growth. I do a lot on the growth side, but I love branding and like, I have such a creative brain to me where I love things like art direction and graphic design. And it is really important in skincare to be able to bring that level of design across to your customers. In terms of what I've learned a lot, (laughs) touch on is, so we had our refresh cleanser launch in January. That's our first product launch of 2021. And it's one of our best-selling products now. 
I think the first thing is you don't have to be that creative. You know, there's, there are a lot of crazy art directors, you know, doing crazy things. Unless you're a very Gen Z, edgy brand, you don't have to go above and beyond the, you know, like the creative level. Our refresh cleanser was a refresh papaya and salicylic acid cleanser. So we went hard on papaya and citrus being very core, like key elements of our product launch. And I think some people are like, how basic, <laughs> you know, you're, it's a papaya cleanser. You have papayas in your product photography, but I don't think it's an issue. I think people sometimes are a little bit too creative with their launches that people don't really even understand what the product is or what they're buying. For us, it's all about aligning the campaign on the core product and the core benefit, which was a citrus cleanser that was for brightening and making sure that came across in all elements of the campaign. So I'd say the first thing, especially for new brands, is you don't have to, you know, go outside of the box. You you can stay inside the box. It's not a huge issue. The second thing with product launches that we've learned is you have to be adaptable. Every brand has a campaign calendar. We had a campaign calendar for our launch. I think 70% through the campaign calendar, we realized people weren't interested anymore. So we were like, okay, you know, we've already pushed this cleanser for two weeks. We have another five days of content specifically dedicated for this cleanser. Let's just scrap that, you know, go back to promoting other products, promoting the brand, doing more brand value things. And I think that did really, really well for us. So it's definitely nice to have a campaign calendar and have different things planned out, but being adaptable is super important. And if you see your engagement kind of decrease throughout the launch, maybe it's time to just pivot and change, you know, put something else in, post something else. I think that's really important. Yeah, I think those are probably the two biggest lessons that I've learned is making your launch very consistent and salient is important for from a consumer's perspective. And then also being adaptable with your plans. And if things aren't working out, just switch them out to something else and don't stay very rigid on what you have planned already. Yeah, it, it definitely connects back. It reminds me of like what we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, which is like knowing when to quit on things and when things aren't working or when maybe like resources are better served in in a certain area. I know we talked about like with the TikTok stuff for Three Ships Beauty when you were like, yeah, we just don't have the resources to dedicate that that we need to to make this channel work. So like, let's double down in in what is working, which is really awesome and, and helpful advice over there. I know you also have an affiliate program that's going on as well that I think is maybe somewhat recent. I'd be curious to kind of hear, you know, what kind of feedback you're gathering from those affiliates and like, what are you kind of learning over there? Obviously, like, you know, it, it seems pretty obvious from our conversation that customer feedback and, and understanding a little bit more like qualitatively, like why customers do the things that they do and understanding those. So I, I'd love to kind of hear like, if you're using that as like a feedback channel and like what you're kind of like learning and understanding from there as well. Yeah. So we have, we don't call them our affiliates because we have another like a real like affiliate program through like ShareSale and that affiliate side. We call our ambassador program, the fleet, uh, which is really cute. There are fleet insiders. So they are our ambassador program. It's similar to affiliates because they do all get their own discount codes, which they'll be able to earn a commission by sharing with their friends. But it's definitely equal part affiliate, but also equal part community, which is a piece you brought back about feedback and kind of, it's almost like having an extension of your team. You know, when we have new launches, 
we so we have an upcoming collaboration launch with another brand that's happening in July. And so for us, it's like, okay, should we do this style of campaign or this style of campaign? And like I mentioned, our team is seven people, so very limited in terms of feedback. Having we have around 300 fleet insiders right now, which is incredible. That's almost like 300 additional employees to the Three Ships Beauty team that were able to get their feedback on things like launches. So simple. We have a Facebook group. That's our main way of communicating with them. It's as simple as posting the Facebook group. Hey guys, this thing is upcoming. Do you like this image or this image for the campaign? Which one speaks to you more? Which one reflects the idea of this? Which one makes you feel like, which one do you understand better? Which copy is more clear? It's just incredible. It's almost a win-win situation because as a brand, we're able to get way more feedback before we launch. And for them, it really makes them feel like they're part of our community, which is always one of our top goals to have. I think another really awesome thing about our fleet ambassador program is how we're able to connect with them, but they're also able to connect with each other. So I think I saw in our Facebook group earlier today, someone posted about our glow serum and they're like, Hey guys, like, is this an AM or PM, you know, serum? I was going to respond, but then I got distracted by my inbox, which is crazy <laughs> these days. And then by the time I went back, I think there was like eight or nine comments in that post. None of them from anybody who works at Three Ships Beauty. They're all from other fleet insiders. I think that's really incredible to see in terms of community building. Yeah, I think it's such, such a good thing for small brands to have. I would highly encourage if your team is small, you don't have time to get to a lot of things. Having a community slash ambassador program is such a great way of getting that one-on-one communication with your customers. Very timely fashion. They feel like they're involved and you don't have to do so much guessing because you're having that feedback from them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it probably makes your job a little bit easier on the success of the brand as well. Just gathering like totally. all that feedback. So you don't have to guess like, is this the right messaging that's going to work? Is this the right image that's going to work as well? Yeah, I think it's right. I think it's almost even nicer for small brands to do this because I think as a big brand, when you have a community ambassador program, sometimes as you know, I'm part of a lot of those programs, you don't really know if your feedback is being used. You know, these brands, they have a brand director, they have a VP of brand design, they have all these senior executives, you almost feel like, well, am I really making a difference? Is my feedback being implemented by the company? Whereas for us, it's super clear. Like there is nobody else to make decisions except for our community partners. And so I think it's a really smart way for smaller, newer brands to get involved with their community. Yeah, that, that's super helpful over there. I mean, understanding that. And speaking of things for, for smaller brands and, and teams that are kind of like building and growing in that stage, one of the big things that I think all brands look at is like technology and like resources to help support the business on that. And there's tons of tools out there, tons of platforms, tons of different places to like try and grow. How do you kind of like break through all of that noise? Like how do you decide what's good for Three Ships Beauty in terms of implementing like tech or like additional like resources? What's your kind of process to decide over there? Super simple from us. We typically won't use a new technology or a new software or resource unless we went through an issue in which we needed tech 
solution to help us find the answer. One example I can give is we didn't have a post-purchase survey on our Shopify store for the first six months. And then I remember during our offsite in November, we were talking as a team and we we're like, you know what? Where does most of our customers come from? Are they coming through influencer? Are they coming through ads? Because we were trying to decide what our influencer budget should be. And because we couldn't answer this question, we were like, okay, maybe we need some sort of system post-purchase at checkout that asked the customers where they're coming in from based on their purchase. And then we started looking for a tech service to provide that for us. And now we're using co-op commerce to kind of let us know where people are coming in from. So it's more for us if we're running into an issue and we don't know the answer and we need to know the answer, we will look for a technology or another resource to help us get that. Another one that we've recently implemented is called Lifetimely. So it's a cohort analysis uh, provider that kind of shows you how your customers are behaving over the last six months. So people who bought in January, when was the average of them rebuying? Was it February? Was it March? Is it April? That was really important to us for us to figure out kind of our retention efforts. And if we wanted to launch something like subscription. So because we needed to know how our customers are behaving for us to make a decision on whether or not we should offer a subscription. Then we looked for an LTV, you know, tech provider to show us, you know, a cohort analysis. So I'd say for new brands, you know, you're going to get tons of inbounds from these SaaS providers. Want to book a demo? Hey, look at your Shopify store. <laughs> Looks like you need their product. I would pause on those until you're actively in a scenario where you need to solve a problem. When you're in that case, it's not going to be difficult at all to find technology and answering your problem. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a lot of solutions out there today. So I know we're coming to the end of the podcast over here. And before we kind of wrap up, I want to pass the mic over to you one last time. It's been a really awesome podcast, first of all. I know I've, I've learned a lot from just like listening to you, which has been phenomenal. But walk us through what's next for Three Ships Beauty and... Where can people kind of learn a little bit more about everything you're doing there and even potentially connect with you as well? Yeah, what's next for Three Ships Beauty? All of our agency partners we work with have commented that we go miles a minute in terms of what we're working on. We have a lot of really exciting product launches. So our night cream is launching in August, which is one of our most highly requested products. We're also launching our minis sample kit uh, at the end of summer. I think sampling is huge for things like skincare and personal care. So I'm really excited to launch our minis kit. We just brought on a CMO. She's joining us from eight years of experience at Sephora. So she's based in San Francisco and she's going to be leading a lot of our marketing efforts, especially online in the US. We have a website refresh coming up. So we're redoing our site completely, which as a D2C slash e-com manager, I'm super excited about. So very excited to work on things like better upselling, better filter, curation systems. Super excited for that. And we're just growing really fast as a team. I think we're, like I mentioned, we're seven people now. I think by the end of this year, we'll probably be around 10 and aggressively, aggressively expand your e-com channel. So that's kind of what's next for us. We have a lot of also really exciting collabs coming up with different influencers and uh, dermatologists. A lot of really exciting things in terms of staying updated. I mean, definitely follow Three Ships Beauty on Instagram. We are very active on Insta, not very active on TikTok, but maybe that'll change uh, by the time uh, this <laughs> podcast goes up. 
And I'm always happy to connect with anyone on my Twitter. Like you mentioned, I love sharing things that I've learned, both things that have worked and things that haven't worked because everyone learns from each other. I think we've always been the company to share our learnings and hopefully it'll help others. And I'm the exact same way. I did not know anything when I started. And so I think everyone just has a lot to learn. So I'm always happy to connect on Twitter and stay updated. Yeah, that's awesome. And we'll definitely drop links for all of that stuff in our show notes. But Lily, it's been so awesome having you on the podcast over here. I mean, just tons and tons and tons of knowledge dropped over here, which is great. I know I really enjoyed um, chatting with you and I, I know our listeners did as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop a quick rating and subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you next time on the DTC pod. Thanks for joining us, Lily. Thank you. Awesome.